I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You are listening to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners. Ready? Welcome to the show, everyone. We normally record on a Wednesday afternoon, but due to availability issues, we are now recording in the evening after dark. So it's going to get it's gonna get rude and lewd in the Missed Apex iRacing Podcasting shed. Uh, now, I am joined by Brad Philpop. Brad, it was your fault that we're recording late. I'm sorry. I had to actually work for once. Now, your work is very relevant to the things we talk about. You work as a tyre tester, which I, which I do find like fascinating. You are, you're pushing tyres and testing tyres all day, every day. Well, some of the day. Yes, um, and more this week because for the first time in ages, we've actually had dry tarmac to, to use. So we're, um, we're just trying to make the most of it and get as many tests done as possible because we've got a bit of a queue building up. Yeah, and when you talk about what is going on with the car and what's going on with tyres... You've got a sort of weird authority. I mean, there's, there's, I've, I've never met anyone else who does that kind of job. There's not many of you. Yeah, there really aren't, um, which is a bit of a problem for me at the moment, but we'll go into that another time. Um, but yeah, it, it's quite a, quite a rare type of job. Uh, I feel quite fortunate to do it at the moment. Um, and, and that was kind of rammed home to me today when I took my mechanic out for a couple of handling laps just to show him the dry handling track right. for the first time this year and, uh, and let him have a go. And he was, he was a bit um, surprised that his very fast driving was was 15 seconds off what it needed to be to assess the tyres correctly. Oh, that's fantastic. So he actually had a go at driving it himself. Were you, were you helping him? Were you giving tips to go faster? Or was he just confident that, that he knew how to push it? Yeah, I was, I was basically instructing him. So I sat next to my, next to my colleague and just showed him how I would go through the steps of assessing a tyre and, and the kind of things that I'm looking out for at different parts of the track. But he wasn't really taking that in because he was just trying not to crash. That's fair enough. And uh, we also have with us uh, someone who never crashes. In fact, I can't remember the last time I saw Kyle Power in any kind of incident, racing or karting uh, at all. Kyle, do you ever get in any kind of incidents? Oh, I do. I'm just quite good at hiding it. Uh, but I try to pride myself on being clean. And uh, it's all about the safety rating for me. We know that. It's, it's more than that. I mean, you're a, you're a gentleman racer. And on, on track, I like the rest of the Missed Apex crew, when you look at like Brad and Alex Van Jean, when deep down, they will do anything to win. Like they would rather win and lose friends. Whereas you don't have that kind of racing attitude. I 
you could argue I like the killer instinct a little bit, but I'm all about honour, doing it nicely and nicey, nicey and sportsmanship and pride and stuff like that. Um, it's all silly. That's probably why I don't win much. But you cart with Kyle, Brad. I mean, that is that. Is, do you do you respect when you see Kyle like going about his business as a gentleman? Because I have seen you. I've seen you outright cheat, and I'm not gonna not gonna lie for you. Do you ever look at Kyle and go mug? No, I, I, to be honest, I don't actually race with Kyle that often. We have certainly met each other on track, and Kyle probably remembers some times where I might not have been <laughs> as fair as as he would have been in the same situation. Um, so maybe we do have history. Him. On the, yeah, on the killer instinct thing, but um, but yeah, I do. I respect Kyle's position, and I respect his gentlemanly style, and I will take advantage of it when appropriate. Nice, but uh, Kyle, you and I probably have something in common because a lot of the racing I do is stuff that I've organised, so karting events and Missed Apex I racing. So whereas from you, it comes from like a deep moral like sense of right and wrong for me it's because i want people to come back and i'm the host so i i don't want to like be barging people into a wall or, or you know i've got to be able to look them in the eye at the end of the event yeah and plus i don't like having fights in the paddock after races or having angry people following me down the pit lane i'd rather be the angry person following someone else down the pit lane <laughs> not that i ever would but yeah um i always like to do things straight and clean which is quite odd because i'm a massive schumacher fan but maybe i I kind of model myself on not being him. So what do, what are you like in eye racing when you get when you get taken out when someone takes you out? So I, I you know I I've said I've had to take myself off game chat, but what I do is I just have the option in eye racing where it mutes my mic uh, and turns off the comms while I'm driving. So if I get binned off, I can still go into the pits, realize I've got a whatever 5 minute tow and my mic suddenly works again when I go to the settings page and I can start going so, uh, Derek, what kind of a rejoin was that? What's your reactions like, Carl, in the, in, the, in the officials? It depends what it is. If I think it's a 50-50, then my first initial reaction would be first to apologise to try to calm the whole situation down and to calm them down. Because, sorry, we need to watch the replay. I don't know what happened there. If it's blatantly someone's fault, I will say, what was the point in that? That was a bit silly. Try not to swear because you could land yourself with a ban. Yeah. Um, but then usually say, let's have a look at it after the race before we argue and try to get on with the job in hand and put it behind you. Then have a look at it afterwards. I have had incidents where it was clearly someone else's fault. They have accused me for it. And I have actually messaged them afterwards and pointed out their wrongs and usually come to an amicable sort of decision of, yes, it was Yes, it was me and I'm sorry. But generally, I, I try to diffuse the situation because you can get people who will rage and revenge attack you. So my first sort of train of thought is neutralize the heat, neutralize the situation mm. for the benefit of my own race result. It's a purely selfish thing. It's not, it's not a nice thing. It's just neutralize the situation for my own benefit. So first apologize <laughs> and worry about it afterwards. <laughs> Uh, do you ever get angry at people on iRacing, Brad? Because I'm trying to think. I've known you now for like four or five years. Don't I know you get upset, but I've never seen you lose your temper and I've never seen you laugh out loud thinking about it. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So I do I do get angry on iRacing. It's normally in the officials and it's normally when somebody has done something careless or needless. So the thing that annoys me the most is when you are lapping traffic and they then deliberately race you or, or in some circumstances, try and take you out. And it's reasonably rare in the higher splits, but I do occasionally race in 
in a top split, which is quite low ranked, maybe if it's like middle of the night or something, and you'll be coming up to, to lap people. And for whatever reason, they've had a bad race. They don't care. They will try and sideswipe you or something like that, or just do something silly. That yeah. annoys me the most because when, when a lot of I race rating is lost needlessly for everyone involved, it, it just is quite frustrating because it takes quite a long time to build that up. But I would stop short of generally swearing at people or, or like having a real mm. go at them. I might just be a bit sarcastic to them. Well, you have a professional reputation as a professional racer as well to think about. And to some extent I do as well as a media person. So I've been really like someone pointed out to me about a year ago when someone said like they could like record that and you sound like a real knobhead like that could really hurt you and I was like yeah I was being a knobhead because I was really really angry because I treat it like a sport like I would in football you know and if someone comes in with a dirty tackle I'm more than happy to tell them and in iRacing I, I feel entitled to tell someone when when they're being dirty when they've been wrong but you have to also remember oh no it's a public forum so I don't think I could quite stretch to the Kyle approach of oh I'm I'm so sorry that you punted me let's Let's see what happened. I don't think I'm ever going to get to that point, Kyle, but I could try. Yeah, I may just clarify. And it's if you're fighting wheel to wheel someone and there's some contact, <laughs> right, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that's when I initially say, I'm I'm sorry, initially just to try to defuse it. If somebody's clearly punted me, then it'll be like, what was the point in that? What have you done? I'll initially have a, an outburst of rage, but I'll try to hold my temper too much because especially if they're still behind you, you don't want to start calling them names because they can easily forget to break and just smash you straight <laughs> yeah. out again. So it's always best not to aggravate them too much. So, Kyle, you obviously don't live with a lawyer because immediately admitting fault is <laughs> yeah. probably not the wisest thing to do, um, even if you are just trying to be polite. So I, I actually agree with you about messaging them privately. I've often found that in, in a similar way to when you meet someone face to face instead of having a, a Facebook argument they're a lot nicer yeah. and a lot more civil. It's kind of a similar thing on the iRacing forum, on the on the private messages. Yeah. Quite often people suddenly become very understanding and back down a bit. And and I agree again, it diffuses the situation. So when you're racing with them in that same series later on, you don't end up in a in a similar bad position. And I've actually forged friendships and alliances that way. People who have taken me out or done something a bit silly, I've then explained uh... it to them. Um, we've come to a bit of an agreement and we then work together in future races. I totally agree. And I've had the same thing. It was in a race in Spa. I actually made a rare mistake and punted somebody and I instantly come on the voice chat and was like, I'm so sorry. That is completely my fault. They didn't respond, which are, which, which are subsequently Cold they had a chat ban, so they couldn't respond. I <laughs> private messaged them afterwards and I was like, I'm so sorry. That's completely on me. And they were lovely about it. They come back. They were absolutely lovely about it. And we actually formed a bit of a friendship. And then when we've met later on in the season, They've actually helped me out in the race. They've had damage. They've not defended. They're like, oh, that's that like Kyle. He was all right. And he just let me straight through. <laughs> so it can be beneficial. So usually it's mainly selfish for being a nice guy. It's a small enough community in most of those series that actually you do come across people again and again. And, and you're right. You know, you, you even without talking, you build a reputation of being a fair racer. Oh, he's, he was clean with me. I'll be clean with him. Contrary to popular opinion, or maybe some opinion, I, I actually always admit fault. If I think I've genuinely never heard done that wrong. happen. If I if I think I've if I think I am the one in the wrong, I okay. will always immediately message the person, apologize. It it's just I have quite a clear idea of when I am and when I'm not in the wrong, basically. But I will always check incidents afterwards, have a little look. Oh, 
that was net code or that was shared responsibility or oh that was completely my fault i'm so sorry and i will then go and find them on the on the private messages and and tell them and apologize Absolutely. And it can get quite funny. It can get very typical English gentleman where I've had an incident where we're both private messaging each other. The guy thought it was his fault. I thought it was my fault. And it was a no, actually, it was me that was at fault, not you. No, it was me. And we're just arguing over whose fault it was, but the right way. Uh, we should explain to any American iRacers listening, because we, we have a transatlantic community, especially our iRacing community, uh, loads of uh, Brits, obviously, a lot of Americans and some Australians. We have a nice mix, mix actually, from around the world. But a lot of the times uh, when a British guy is, is talking to an American, there's a miscommunication. So the American thinks that the Brit is actually genuinely inquiring to like what happened. You know, like I won't name any names, but uh, Tim Ellis is really good at going. So, um, well, what happened there? Yeah, we, we, we actually seem to come a bit uh, close together there, Derek. Uh, well, how, how did you see it from your point of view? That is an Englishman getting very, very angry at you and telling you it's definitely your fault. So for any Americans listening, there's a bit of help with translating. You, you, you touched on uh, backmarkers uh, there, Brad. Uh, you are not often a backmarker, I would imagine. But if you ever find yourself a lap down, I'd imagine you behave very well. I think it might be worth talking about how to be a, a good backmarker, actually. I think that might be quite a good topic. You two uh, want it from the, the point of view that you are often facing backmarkers. I am I am quite often a backmarker. Uh, I actually, I find myself in the position where if I come across a backmarker, quite often they are a faster driver that has had an incident. So I quite often find myself in the situation where, you know, I'm overtaking someone recovering and then they're, they're behind me a lap down and I have to deal with them trying to unlap themselves. And a lot of the time it'll be a faster driver who's then got some damage, makes a mistake. And you go, oh, if you're going to unlap yourself, just go. For goodness sake, get out of my get out of my field of view. And I'm constantly having to battle them. So, OK. Why don't we, who wants to start with this, of, of how to be a good marker? Come on then, Brad. Or, or, or what should I not do as a backmarker? Yeah, so one of the reasons I, I get annoyed at bad backmarkers is because I myself consider myself a very good backmarker when in that position, which could either be in a multi-class race. Maybe yeah. you could be leading your class, but you're being lapped by a much faster car. It could be one instance where you're effectively acting as a backmarker. You might genuinely just not be quick enough in this thing, or maybe you've had problems, but... Yeah, you have to accept, first of all, that the people who are at the front, like it or not, and some people are going to disagree with me on this point, but the people who are leading the race or battling for the lead or at the front, their race is more important than yours if you're battling for 19th position. Like, you need to not ruin that race. If you want to race the leaders, you need to get fast enough to be one of the leaders or drive well enough in that particular race that you haven't put yourself down the back. And if you are in that position where you're further down, Take it as a learning experience when the faster cars come through, maybe see what they're doing differently and follow them. But but definitely don't get in their way yeah. or hold them up more than necessary. It's a little bit different if you're fighting someone yourself. If you're fighting for 17th and the guy in 16th is directly ahead of you, you don't want to lose too much time. But still, maybe use the guys behind you to help you get past that car in front rather than just blocking unnecessarily. That's the first thing. Kyle. Absolutely. I agree with Brad. When you've got backmarkers battling in front of you, you can actually use it to, to your advantage. Think back to Max Verstappen at Monaco um, a few years ago when he was letting someone pass and then was following the leaders yeah. through as the, per, as the person in front was letting them through. That was at Toro Rosso, it, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. so backmarkers can be a big 
Bane. And I think that's why people who are generally at the front more are better when they're being lapped because they, they have seen it from both sides of the fence. They, they know how stressful it is. And, and it's not even when they're directly in front of you. I can, I've been distracted before by back markers sitting a second, a second and a half right in front of me because you're then getting stressed. You know, you're approaching them. You're like, what are they going to do? Some are absolutely brilliant, but some will just not move out of the way. I don't know whether they don't use their relative box, but that's bad. Like in my view, it's a bit of draconian view on back markers. But if you are within a second of the leaders, you lose any right to take your line on that racetrack. You need to get out of the way or get in the sea pretty much as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So just to second exactly what Carl's saying, I think if you, if you have experienced being, um, being up front and you know what it's like when you encounter that slower traffic, when you find yourself in that Mm. position, you want to make damn sure you don't, um, end up viewed like you viewed the back, the bad back markers when it was you in the lead. You want to make sure that that leader coming past respects you. And I've had this in real races, in kart races, and and in sim racing. The leaders do learn to respect you through the race, um, and they will then treat you differently next time around when they're lapping you the next time. But you need to you need to understand that those people at the front or or in the you know further towards the front who are coming to lap you, yeah they don't have that much time to wait. They're in a time-sensitive, time-critical battle. And although you in 15th or 25th or wherever you are might have a few seconds you can you can lose here or there and it doesn't really affect your race as much, the person who's fighting for P1, P2, P3, a second might be the race loss. They might lose the entire race because of that. So they might not have all the time in the world to make a decision to calmly overtake you where it suits you which is why you need to make it as easy as possible for them. So Yeah, and I don't even just mean get out of the way, but just not close the door when the leader's coming through. Try and be predictable. Try and be obvious in when you're letting them through. All, all those things which make life easier for the car following. Okay, so we'll, we'll get to how to or where to uh, let them past. However, in a strong argument on one of the swarm nights, uh, myself and John Cox got... Uh, got chatting to a, a guy who was insisting that blue flags in iRacing are advisory. And he was saying, look, A, I was in my own battle, and B, I'm pretty much on pace. So I'm not obliged to jump out of the way. Do, do any of those things have any any credence at all? Is it a case of, hey, Carl, you know, look, I'm in a battle. I'm, I'm wanting to let you by, but I'm in a battle. And you're only a couple of tenths a lap faster than me. I, I'm only here because of a crash or whatever. But then, yeah. If they are like, again, about a second in front of you, you're already getting their dirty air. You're already losing a tiny bit of downforce. And also it's the stress. You don't know what they're going to do. And also it it works bad for for the back markers, particularly a lone one. If you've got a long straight and the leader's a second behind you, just about to go into a follow my leader complex, let them through on the straight. Don't then go into the complex, have them right right up your, yeah. Yeah. um, And panic and then crash. You know, um, yeah, because it panics. You're feeling under pressure. It's so much easier to get it done on the straight or in a sensible place. It's almost even worse if if there's only two tenths pace difference between them, because mm. that means the leader is going to have to go for a bit of a risky pass if you're not going to make it easy for them. If you're saying no, they're not that much quicker than me, and I'm in my own fight. Well, if that's me as the leader, at some point I'm coming through. And it's going to end up being a point where you're not expecting it or you don't want me to. And I'm going to have to make like a racing pass, which is always more risky for everyone involved. So, so some, somewhere like Okayama in the F3, if if someone is coming to lap me, 
you can stay a second ahead of someone and take away all their front wing effectiveness. And I, I could probably hold off a fairly decent driver behind me for a second if I wanted to. Uh, and I could sit there and argue, oh, well, I'm a second ahead of you. But in reality, I'm, I'm actually I'm acting as a, a stopper, Kyle. Yeah. And likewise, it also works two ways. We're looking at this from a very sort of one track mind. It also works two ways. Like people lapping people can also be idiots. So say, <laughs> and I've had this a couple of times. Uh, the last one was in an F3 race in Barcelona when I was in, in a very comfortable third. I had like a five second gap behind me and I was coming up on two back markers with two laps to go and they were having a royal battle. I said to them over the chat, I was like, chaps, don't worry about me. You guys carry on and have your battle. I'm happy to sit here. So when you're <laughs> lapping people, you can also be quite courteous to the yeah. to the back markers. If there's no need for you to get past, you have a huge gap behind you. Don't go and pressure them. Let them have their battle. I was quite happy just to sit behind them and enjoy watching the battle. Just to address the blue flags being advisory yes. as well. Mm. Like, I mean, that's that's fine, but we will all hate you if you don't make it easier you know it's like you can you're just going to build a reputation for yourself and and all the other arguments we've just said still apply whether or not they're advisory they're advising you that that you should probably get out of the blooming way because there's a faster car coming through and for all the reasons we've just said you're going to disadvantage yourself you're going to you know potentially risk contact all that kind of stuff that's why you should get out of the way it's not because the rule says you must get out of the way it's just advisory to do it um, so, so that's that's my counter to that. Yeah, and it's not a it's not a random like Xbox lobby. It's it's a reasonably small community compared to some massive like AAA title games. Mostly, probably because of the cost to entry that restricts the the numbers a little bit. So you're you're not going to have that kind of anonymity. You're going to see that guy again. You're going to meet that guy again. Yeah, and. Also, you can be quite polite about it. It's uh, going back to the voice chat thing. It's so easy to get frustrated and shout at a backmarker over the voice chat or people have text chats um, mapped to their buttons. Yeah. I actually won a Formula Renault 2.0 race at Lime Rock because of this. I was being caught. The guy in second was much quicker than me. He was catching me quite fast. I was coming up on backmarkers. I'd go over the voice chat and just go, excuse me, I'm in a tight battle here. I'd really appreciate you letting me through if you can, like, quickly and they did the guy behind me was just spamming the text chat saying blue flag move guess what they didn't get out of his way very quickly and that won me the race at the end of the day manners isn't I, it i absolutely agree with that kyle i will always hope that the driver i'm lapping is listening to the voice chat and i will always say well if it's if it's a normal official if it's a big endurance race like obviously you can't just be constantly talking because there'd be hundreds of people constantly talking but in a race like that where there's a few lappings going to happen in the sprint race i would always say going to be lapping you in the next couple of corners um we'll come through on the left hand side or whatever you know just try and be polite and and give them some prior warning if possible saying blue flag blue flag get out of the way that probably won't help your case and it's exactly the same in real life in 24-hour race, 24 races. I've had it at a 24-hour kart race when I've been in the middle class, so I'm lapping people and being lapped, and the owner drivers are coming up behind me. Yes, it's exactly for those who can't see, Brad's pointing to either side. I'll look behind me, notice there's a faster kart coming up behind me, and I'll, and I'll be like, no, not here, I'll wait, or I'll point. Go this side, and they give you a thumbs up, and then later on in the race, they might even give you a nice little push down the straight because you've been really <laughs> nice to them. So it really does pay off just to be nice to people. I don't like it when people give me a bump draft in karting. If they think they're being nice, I don't like it. Never do that to me. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think this is the one of the few times I've been deliberately dirty or sneaky, and I did it to good effect at Imola in the Formula Renault 2.0 in our swarm. And uh, there was a bunch of us in the, the top split of the, of the swarm. I think we maybe even had like 10 or 11 of our missed Apex cars in there. And I'd had a nightmare, and I was a lap down. I'd used my fast repair. I'd gone out and the leaders were coming through. Oh, should I admit this? Yes, I'll admit this because I haven't done it again, right? So obviously, I, I want to be courteous with the blue flags. As soon as the blue flags came off, I was looking for a good place to let them by. And then I let them by. Obviously, I've got teammates up behind me. So what you'd like to do is make it difficult. And I thought, hang on a minute, I'm not going to make it difficult. But what if I put pressure on from behind? So like a little kid with his sibling putting their hand in front of the sibling's face going, I'm not technically touching you. You can't get annoyed. I was in their mirror. So not touching them, not at risk of touching them. But I, I might pull out and go into their mirrors. So it might look like I was going to do something stupid, but I never did. Two of the people I did that to made a mistake, broke deep into the corner and had a little off letting teammates. How do we feel about that? How do we feel, Kyle? Um, did I cheat? Does I'm being bad? I haven't done it since because I felt bad. Yes. Yeah, so just to clarify, the person who had just lapped you, yeah. you were then hounding them in their mirrors. Yeah. But, yeah, so yeah, yeah. But, they, but like from, from a then, safe distance. Like, yeah. okay. But they are then incredibly stressed and they're yeah. expecting you to absolutely slam into the back of them. That's probably why they've gone wide. I would say that's probably say, not on. That I is would say they, that is, you're probably causing them heart failure. That was definitely why they went wide but i would never have hit them at any point you know that's just a bit of mind game psychology brad come on tell me off if you want that's fine my view is not quite as strong as kyle's my view <laughs> would be if this benefits me and my team then i think that's completely fine and if i'm the guy that you're doing it to please stop doing it so if that guy had, had taken his racing line as if i wasn't there i would never have hit him i was never going to get in you know actually touch him or get in his way but i could keep up because i had the pace so I was just keeping up quite close. So what am I supposed to do, Kyle? Am I meant to back off a second, two seconds and leave him alone? 
Oh, no, no. But you're not supposed to feign dives up the inside and move around a lot in the mirror. So this guy, the poor guy in front, is probably absolutely having kittens. And that's what he's going wide. He's expecting you to slam into the back of him. Um, Brad mentioned this on the other podcast I was on when we're talking about Road America. And and you're constantly watching your mirrors and worried about, are they going to miss my breaking point and do a Verstappen 2001 Montoya at Brazil on me and take me out and just ram me from behind. So yeah, um, I'd I'd say that's not on. On our Discord chat, I was discussing it and because people were joking like, oh, can you hold that guy up? And I was like, I'm not going to hold him up. And there was that, maybe, you know, I can put some pressure on and it was working and everyone's reaction was kind of like, Hmm. <laughs> and then I think at the end of the end of the session, we settled on. Now nah, that's probably not cricket. You'd be surprised how many people in these official races and all types of race are in voice chat together yeah. and are on Ooh. teams. I, I didn't realize until I was part of a team quite how much this goes on because you're not necessarily in the same livery. You've got no idea that these two people or three or four people are effectively working together but it's extremely beneficial sometimes when you're all in a voice chat together and you can say, Oh, I'm, you know, I need a couple of seconds on the leader. If you don't mind not making it particularly easy for him to lap you, that'd be great when your teammates maybe crashed on lap one and he's being lapped. That, that's really helped me out sometimes. Um, maybe it's against iRacing's terms of service. I don't know, but yeah. I've certainly been in voice chat situations where I've been helped by my teammates, not making it that easy for other people. I wouldn't say, you know, taking them out. Obviously that's quite another step. Um, yeah but yeah just just fighting them more than they might have otherwise done. yeah and I, I think we've moved away from that at missed apex for our swarm we want to be good members of the iRacing community i can't imagine there's anything against being in a, a separate chat but we do have like up to 30 it was well sometimes like the other night for our missed apex series probably had uh, 45 people in our discord chat and we've sometimes taken that kind of energy to the officials as well i can't imagine that's illegal but working together to like disrupt somebody else on track yeah it's probably not cool it's probably not cool but you did work well together with tom ingram in the voc you put up a very cool clip of you and he attacking around spa attacking and working together to to catch uh, wickens tell us about that yeah so i was part of this uh, the vco Cup of Nations Pro, which is a... They, they did it last year with all professional sim drivers and they decided to do a version this year with um, real licensed race drivers. So everyone in the field was, to some degree, a professional racing driver. It was um, former Formula One drivers, IndyCar drivers, um, or GT drivers, kind of all walks of motorsport. And it was in, um, divided into nations as well. So you guys were, yes. you know... Uh, I think there were 12 countries, maybe 13 different countries. We were Team GB um, so it was me, Stefan Wilson from IndyCar, um, Will Stevens, who used to race for Marussia in Formula One, mm. and Tom Ingram, who's a star of British Touring Cars. And um, and yeah, so we were all working together to score points through the evening in a series of different cars on different tracks, um, building up to some finals. And we didn't know what car and track combinations they were going to be until the day before, had very little time to practice, and we were all in a voice chat together. That's very cool. Like, because you're on your stream, you know, you've got these other guys, you know, on, on the Discord with you, and they were happy to be on your stream as well. So that was pretty cool. Follow Brad's stream by searching for Bradley Philpot on YouTube. I didn't realize Robert Wickens was uh, Canadian, actually. So he was there. I've just Googled him. He was there representing Canada. And that's very cool. So tell us about this clip you posted 
where you and Tom were, were chasing down Robert Wickens round Spa. What cars were they, firstly? Yeah, so this was the first race of the night, and it was Audi R8 GT3s at Spa, and uh, it was something like a 40-car grid. You had a qualifying session first, and then you went into the race. We were all somewhere around the kind of top 20 in our Team GB, um, you know, hovering in the teens. And, uh, and yeah, basically, at this one point, I'd managed to get ahead of Tom Ingram because he'd had some kind of issue, and we were both catching Robert Wickens as we went through Eau Rouge and then down it's the Kemmel straight isn't it that long straight um and Tom said to me over the intercom I've got a run on you um don't fight me or or can I go for it basically asking for my permission to attack Wickens who was in front of me um and I said actually I think I've got a run on him so I'll I'll have a go but it's nice to kind of to know to be able to tell the other guy you know don't let's not all get involved I'll have a go now and I I managed to get past him I then made a mistake in a, a subsequent corner they both got back past me, and then I just said, "Tom, right, your turn." He yeah, went and had a go good. at him and got taken out immediately. And then we discussed um, we discussed his bit of a non-apology afterwards because um, <laughs> we could also hear Robert Wickens chat when he came on public. Oh, we had could similar you? situations all through the night. I mean, that was definitely Wickens' fault because he sort of just he lost it a little bit uh, around Puon and then just decided to get back on track and slam him Ingram in the side of the car, and uh, and then you decided to go and attack him on it on Twitter as well. I love that. Would you call him? Filthy, filthy. Know, it's only, yeah, it's only yeah. obviously very lighthearted, but yeah, it's um, it's quite nice to have a bit of a jab at people sometimes. And he actually came on and said, in in his defence, it was unintentional. I, I'd say in his defence, he's also driving with hand controls. The poor guy. So like, he's doing extremely well considering he's not even able to to use his legs and feet. So he's very very fast with those hand controls. You, you've actually you've set up some hand controls for people in in the past. How does that practically work? Because obviously a lot of publicity. I've forgotten the kid who's Channel Four who got who lost his legs. Billy, Billy Munger. Billy Munger, yeah. Obviously, a lot of that brought some profile to these kind of hand controls. Can they be effective? Can you ever be as as quick using them? I mean, you can you can get quite quick. Um, as Robert demonstrates, he's got quite a specific system. I don't know exactly how his works, although uh, I know he's he's pushing. I think he's pushing a handbrake, which has been turned round the other way to be a brake. Um, and he's got a throttle as like a, a paddle, which is a bit like a like a clutch paddle, I think, which has been repurposed. I've set up um, a, a lady who I used to coach called Natalie McGloin's simulator, yeah. uh, where she's got hand controls. And that's a bit more uh, kind of basic setup where she's got a, a, a lever, basically, which is attached to her throttle pedal. So she's got a set of pedals on the on uh-huh. the rig, which she's not using with her feet, but she's using it by pushing uh, a bar forward and backwards which then presses the pedals, which replicates exactly how her race car works in real life. So she had that system set up so it would be like her like her real-life race car. So, yeah, yeah, that's how they work. Uh, yeah. But I, I've tried to drive in real life with the hand controls as well, and it is certainly for me. Maybe maybe if I'd grown up using them, it would be different, but for me it's mm. pretty difficult. Yeah, you're having to unmap some neural networks there to use them. But in any case... I highly recommend going and finding your your streams. I didn't watch the race live, but I watched the build up live, and like I said, really cool because because of, of the company you're keeping as well on those streams to just to jump in there and be like, oh, there's there's Brad. Oh, I know Brad. Oh, there's Will Stevens, and it was it was brilliant. I uh, really enjoyed it. So go and check out Bradley Philpot on YouTube, and I assume the races and the clips and stuff are still there. They're still available. People can catch up with them afterwards, uh, and you're you're bringing some credibility to Missed Apex iRacing podcast, not just with your VCO, International Watsits, but also representing Williams Esports. What an honour, Brad. You wouldn't want to stuff up anything like that. 
Well, yeah, bri- <laughs> briefly representing Williams Esport. So I was loaned to Williams um, from my regular team, Butler Powell Motorsport, who I'll be racing with this weekend at Bathurst. Um, and my teammate, who's a super fast German driver called Dominic, was leading the the VLN or NLS race uh, for Williams. And I was very keen to jump in the seat for my stint, my uh, my brief stint which was going to be the third stint of this race around the Nürburgring. And I prepared all week, done hundreds of laps of practice. Everything was working fine. And then the moment I got in the car, I had a technical issue with my rig and basically ruined the whole race for the team. So um, it was I, a brake failure, was it? Your brake was stuck yeah, on. Yeah, it was, a, it was an issue with calibration, which, <sighs> which meant it was basically impossible to drive. I then, then crashed trying to drive it because you, you have to try. Um, and uh, even if I'd managed to get it back around to the pits on that lap, we would have we definitely wouldn't have won anymore. The poor guy had worked so hard to get oh. us out into the lead against all the other big sim teams. Um, but then I compounded it by, but this is the worst bit. This is a, this is the rookie error. I compounded it by once we eventually towed back to the pits, I then forgot to recalibrate the thing which wasn't calibrated <sighs> no. and had to tow back again. I mean, we were already going to come last at that point, but it just meant sitting in the pits for another 10 minutes whilst I had to wait for it to tow again. I was so eager just to get back out. I was like, cool, the car's fixed. Let's go. And as soon as I got out of the pits, I was like, oh no, it's the same problem as before. Um, oh, so we, we did carry on and finish the race and, and he actually got fastest lap of the race as well, which makes it even worse. But, um, but yeah, I, I did my best. It wasn't a driving issue. And at least with yeah. the pace that I had eventually, we would have been in the top three um, if that hadn't all gone wrong. But yeah, that was my my one race for Williams Esports. Probably won't have another one, but I am back out racing in that series next weekend for the next round with a different team. Brilliant. Chalk it down to life. And his problem there, Kyle, was he was here, he was driving without the assistance of alcohol, which is I I don't I don't know how he does it, Kyle. But I think let's uh, let's briefly talk about drink <laughs> eye racing. Because uh, I tend to do my eye racing in the evening. I'll settle down. I will. I will have a beer or a, or a rum and coke or something while I'm doing it. Would never dream of doing that in real life. Of course, never drink and drive. But it's a leisure activity. You're at home. You're you're in the evening, hanging out. It's as close to a pub night, in all honesty, as we've been getting this year in the pandemic. I I probably went too far the other the other. The reason I bring it up was because the other night I've been working all of Sunday, so I've presented two shows. Uh, I sit down with a drink whilst I'm doing post-production. And I'd had a few, actually. By the time it got to like 11 o'clock on a Sunday night, I decided to do the 11.15 official F3 Interlagos as a reward. I've been doing really well at Interlagos all week as well. I've been fast scoring points. Um, but this was a stretch too far after drinks, being very tired. And I dropped it at the final corner at Interlagos, which I never, I hadn't done all week. I just got on the power lazily over the curb and let myself spin off. So uh, I think that, you know, there's there's a limit, but you probably have to think on a 9.15 official F3 race, at least half the grid has got a skin full at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Um, I will say this and I can say this quite honestly. I don't think I've ever done an official race 100% sober. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think I have. Um, and I don't do too badly on iRacing. Um, obviously, some people can take it, some people can't. But I find, you know, mild alcohol, sort of consumption will help the nerves so what you may lose in cognitive and reaction ability you may gain because you're slightly calmer and you're not so nervous so i don't know about other people i get more nervous for sim racing than i do in racing in real life in real life you've got all the buzz and the adrenaline and you just get on with it in sim racing i actually get quite nervous before some quite big races so a couple of wee little drinks can 
can really uh can really smooth it out i've actually heard that from a few guys that have got real world racing experience that when they're on the i racing grid that it's a different kind of nervous energy i guess they're less sure of themselves perhaps do you ever get that brad like you know a real gt car around the nurburgring like you are completely in your element a big i racing race there's a lot more things out of your control like you've mentioned you don't have the same butt feel do you get do you get nervous yeah, I absolutely know that sensation. And I do sometimes get more nervous in the sim than in real life. And it's because of exactly what you just mentioned. You don't have that butt feel, as you call it. <laughs> so it's easier to make silly mistakes that you just don't make in real life. Um, a lot of people who drive in good, uh, you know, realistic sims for the first time, who have come from real world racing, whether it's karting or car racing, they will say, well, I don't crash like this in real life. I don't just drive out of the pits and spin loads of times. I would never do that. Not even when I was a rookie. So this must not be realistic because of that. And, and it's that thing. It's that how easy it is to lose control. Um, because you don't have all the real world G force, et cetera. That's what gives me this extra nervousness in in a sim race. And I get it particularly in iRacing because the damage is so big and realistic. So I, I think that's what happened to me on Sunday night, Kyle, is that, by having a few drinks, I I lost obviously some some feedback, some internal feedback, and I kind of carelessly got on the throttle without listening to the to the inputs that were coming in. Now you are very fast, and like you said, you like you rarely will do i racing without a drink. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. Like, do you feel like you? Is there a chance you'd be faster? And win more if you just decided to, you should do an experiment. Just do like sober racing for a couple of weeks. Maybe should. Maybe should. Maybe I should. Well, if all of you can bear a sober Kyle, um, I, I should maybe we, try. We don't know. We don't, we just don't know, do we, Kyle? <laughs> That's the thing. I should try and do an experiment, but uh, um, obviously there is a limit. I had one practice session. You actually messaged me afterwards. Um, don't drink wine. Wine's lethal. I had a bottle of wine. Forgot I had the bottle of wine. I was having a rather jolly time in the practice session yeah. and didn't realise that I was in the wall, bits of car everywhere. I was just all over the place. But in my head, I was the consummate professional doing really, really well. Oh, um, <laughs> that's so lovely of you to, to, men- to mention that and not be not be embarrassed by it. But like my, my thing was how you sounded because you sounded... This is a private practice session but you sounded sozzled so i was like uh carl just so you know you might not care but you sounded absolutely melted uh to everybody else uh yeah i, I had no know. idea <laughs> obviously carting and stuff like that it takes it very seriously you know you you need to have it out of your system for you, you know no drink i think they say for like 12 hours uh before which is perfectly sensible uh and, I, and i'm sure everybody sticks to that i have often like you know you know wondered like could you could you pay enough insurance to have like a a proper pub, I have a, a pub session i have actually done karting very very drunk once and it was not in the uk it was actually in suzuka in japan and Jeez. i didn't sort of life of me think they'd let us on because we were absolutely hammered and they were just like yeah yeah there you go oh and, my um, goodness and it sobers you up it's a great way to sober up well i don't condone that and you should definitely I never don't go condone it. i'm not proud of it we we just thought they're never going to let us on. Let's just ask anyway. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Brad, I'm assuming that like you, you would barely ever do that aside from like a private session with us, like have a relaxing glass of wine while I racing. Yeah. The only time I've ever had any alcohol when sim racing is, is when we've done our kind of private sessions. Yeah. yeah. I, my, my eye rating is, is too precious to me to risk it with um, impaired senses in an yeah. official race with some alcohol. And, um, 
and I wouldn't want to let my team down in um, in the the big special events. But I do have a, a very short anecdote. The previous VLN or DNLS race I did before this Williams one, I did have a very heavy night the night before. Oh, and it yes, only dawned on me first thing the next morning that we had quite an early start for this DNLS race. We had quite early qualifying and practice and driver's briefing and all that kind of thing. And I really was unsure as to whether I was going to be able to drive because everything was, I was just dizzy still. I just really not stopped drinking until about 2, 3 a.m. And it was just like a Zoom a Zoom pub thing. Yeah, and, I, remember, um, I remember the messages. I got really random messages from you with pictures of like beans or whatever it was. I think, yeah, I think that was the night. Yeah. And anyway, I did just about get out of my system in time. The race started um, a little bit later. There was quite a big build up to it. So thankfully I was just about okay. And my teammate did the first stint, but yeah, it was, it was touch and go. So um, yeah, I tried to leave a big gap now. Yeah, fair enough. And I hope no one thinks we're, we're glamorizing uh, alcohol. We're not. Uh, keep an eye on what you're drinking, especially during uh, the lockdown. Uh, it, and, uh, you know, uh, stop drinking every now and then. Just, you know, as my friend Tony says, just to check. Well, you've got to stop drinking every now and then, like, just to check. And you know what I mean, Carl? Yeah, I was just about to say something to similar effect. <laughs> like it's um, like we say this, we're making light of it, but it's not big, it's not clever, and it's not cool. It's just what we decide to do is just how I like to go about my racing. We are not encouraging anybody no, 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 no. So, to, so, to go and drink and go iRacing. So obviously real world racing and driving, uh, zero is my limit. But I think my broader point is that, you know, with iRacing, the, the floor is a little bit uh, higher than that. So, you know, it's socially acceptable to come and jump on iRacing with your friends and have a couple of pints. But we're talking about the times where you've misjudged that and it's actually impaired your ability to stay on and, and how it impairs your ability to stay on. Yeah, like there is a limit. If I know I've had a bit too much and I'm feeling slightly wobbly, I will not go and join an official race. And it's not for my I rating and safety rating benefit. It's for the other drivers I rating and safety benefit. Because if I've if I then make a horrible mistake and take half the field out, that's so irresponsible. So I just wouldn't do it. If I don't feel in control, I just would not do it. So the times where we do maybe um overindulge are the private our private test sessions and stuff like that where we can it doesn't yeah. really mean too much <laughs> well what is going to mean too much and what is going to mean a lot is our upcoming swarm event we are going to be swarming in about 20 minutes so we need to get off this call we're doing f3 at road atlanta which is an absolutely it's an incredible course it, it's mental it's hilly it's insane i am four seconds off the pace I'm not normally four seconds off the pace. I'm four seconds off the pace and I feel like I'm flat out. So I have no idea why I'm I'm so slow. Quick anecdote that uh, was it last? It was yesterday. It was last night. I, I decided to do the, the 9.15. I knew I didn't have the pace, but I was I was desperate to get on and do it. So I had some practice before our swarm session on the Wednesday. I knew I didn't have the pace, but in practice, I noticed that cars were flying off everywhere, left, right and center. So... Uh, you know, every lap, turn one, turn two, there was cars off in the wall. I thought, hang on a minute. If I keep it on the track, I can have a top 10 here. I can get into a split, have a top 10, have a nice practice, feel happy. So I went for it. Start line, everything red. Yeah. Waiting for the green light. Car ahead of me jumps. Car ahead of me twitches. In my met, in my head, I went, idiot, you've jump started, jump started. My hands and feet followed the guy. So even though I was saying, you idiot, you jump started to that other guy, my hands and feet jumped. So I did a little jump and I stopped it. Four second penalty. Stop at the pits. 
No problem. Absolutely no problem. Right. Where are the pits? So I'm driving around thinking, where are the pits? And there's a there's a pit lane off to the left as you get to the final corner. Dive down the hill, drove into the pit lane. Well, where's the where's the lollipop guy? So I'm looking for the lollipop guy. I get all the way to the end. I can't see him. So I, I just go, well, maybe I can just serve the penalty in any pit box. So I stop and I'm waiting. I've, I've definitely stopped four seconds. Penalty's not clearing. I went, well, I must have missed him. Must have missed him. So I reverse and there's a little hill behind me. I can't see anything. So I think, well, maybe he's behind over the hill. So I reverse all the way back, trying to look for my lollipop man, of course, get disqualified for reckless driving. Turns out that's not the pit lane at all. The pit lane is on the inside uh, on lap one. And I had not practiced doing a pit entry. So from now on, Brad, any time I, the first time I do any track now, I'm doing a shakedown lap, F1 style, where I go out the pits and back into the pits. And I'm just doing that forever because I am, I am scarred. You did leave the pits. Yeah, loads of times. Loads of times, yes. But my mind, I had a mental block where I was going, well, where are the pits? Because at Road Atlanta, it's a blind entry into the final sweeping turn. So I have accidentally gone down this the old pit route before and my head, I guess, went, oh, yeah, it's where you accidentally went down. <laughs> and I was, I was just absolutely, I was gutted, Kyle. Stupid. <laughs> I didn't even know there was another pit lane on the left-hand side until you told me that story. If you I go, had no idea. If you go in there, you even get a little graphic that says, in pits. So it even oh, wow. says to you that you're in the pits. And I was, so I was really confused. I'm going to try that out tonight. That'll be a new bit of iRacing I haven't seen. Um, <laughs> Road, Road Atlanta, though, what an amazing roller coaster up-down circuit. And it's what we sort of, we, we were talking about this in our group chat. It's what I always call like a, it's almost a pure instinct circuit. Like especially right. the first section, it's so blind. You have no references to turn in and it's an instinct. It's a rhythm instinct track and it is just fantastic. So is this why I'm struggling, Brad? Like I'm so far off the pace and I don't feel like I am. I feel like I'm doing everything I do at normal tracks, but you know me, I've got no real natural talent. I, I sort of methodically try and make get my pace up by remembering what to do right at the right time. So is there, this is just an ultimate test of like instinct and, and being a good racer and talent, and I don't have any. I don't think it's that. I, I think it's just a difficult track. And like Carl says, there's lots of blind sections. So you have to just really learn the first section, as an example, where, where you're coming sweeping up through the hill, through the left, and then into that tight right. You need to have committed to what you're going to do, where you're going to position the car, where you're going to brake before you can see what's going to happen. And, and so often, you know, you will every lap actually be turning into the first real right-hander, the slightly tighter one, not knowing whether or not you've done it correctly until you can then peek over the brow and see the apex. And it's too late to do anything about it by that point. And you've also got quite, quite dangerous exit curbs. Once you've finished that section, you dip down to the bottom of the hill, high Horrible. speed corners with lots yeah. of risk. There's just lots of things that are hard, um, difficult compromises. Even the final sector where you arrive at very high speed into that tight left-right chicane, there's just a lot to get wrong. Um, and so that, that'll be where you're losing the time, you know, just not being perfect at it and it's just adding up. Yeah, and further to that, to try to make it a bit better about the disparity in pace, um, to be really fast and putting a very quick lap at road atlanta you have to take huge risks and yeah. you cannot do that lap time all the time so in our practice uh, we some of us were running around in the mid 13s um, like oh qualifying and in practice but you cannot do that every lap that's i i put that as a four times out of 10 maybe for the first section you can gain up 
upwards of five tenths to three quarters of a second by taking a huge risk, getting it just right and flying over that curb. You can't do that every lap on the race. You will come unstuck. So, so race pace will probably be quite a lot slower. So that should make you feel a bit better oh, about being a bit off the pace. Yeah. Like don't look at the headline times. So I, yeah, I'm running around in the 17s and I'm, I'm not getting any quicker than that. It's, it's incredibly, incredibly hard, but you probably haven't got to the point where you've actually hooked up and nailed a lap and absolutely taken a big risk. Or you have got the first section right and you're like, oh, I've got the first section right. Better not screw up the rest right. of the lap and then been quite timid throughout the rest of the lap. I think, yes, I think I'm naturally timid. I try to be smooth. I try to keep everything pointing in the right direction. And even though I'm not fast at this track, I still prefer it to say Road America, where... I I swear I was driving for 45 minutes. There was a service station. I got a Burger King. And like there's there's so many so much time to just sit and think about things. Whereas at Road, uh, Road Atlanta, apart from the one straight in the middle, it's it's relentless. You're constantly on the steering. You're constantly having to think about stuff and and, and just avoid other cars as well. So I'm torn. I'm enjoying it, but it's terrible and uh, rip my I rating. I think. Right, we're going to go and swarm, guys. Uh, do go and follow Kyle uh, at KylePowerF1 on Twitter. Follow all of us uh, at MissedApexF1. We've got uh, at iRacingPodcast on Twitter as well for this show. You can follow Brad on his YouTube channel, searching for Bradley Philpot. He is at Bradley Philpot on Twitter too. Do us a favor. If you're enjoying this, we're going to have a link in the show notes. Uh, so if you're on Apple, I think you swipe up to get your show notes. Swipe right for, for Pocket Cast and get that link and share it wherever you talk about iRacing. If you've enjoyed this and you're on a forum, perhaps you'd like to recommend us to your friends. Help us grow. Encourage us to keep going and and doing this kind of thing. Oh, follow me. What am I doing? Follow me. I'm the best one. At Spanners Ready. We'll see you next Wednesday. Work hard, be kind, have fun, and be fast. This is Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. I talk... I talked over the pow bit at the end. I'm nervous about Road Atlanta and, and like jumping the gun like you jumped at the start the other day. Yeah, I know. And I just know what's going to happen. I'm going to get on the Discord. I'm all excited to do it. I'm pumped up. I've been talking about it all of this show. And then I'm just going to get wiped out in lap one. And you go, <laughs> like sometimes you say to, say to the wife, like, yeah, I'll be back. At, I'm doing an official. I'll be back at 10. And then you're going back in the house at like 20 to 10 looking sad. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 